<laughs> Welcome back, Suns fans. The All-Star break is over. The Phoenix Suns play tonight on the road against the Portland Trailblazers. Their second time playing them thus far this season. And Matthew, they leave Portland with a win under their belt. How confident were you in the Suns winning this game after they went down 10 points and then 13 <laughs> points later in the third quarter? Oh, not very confident at all. But then I forgot this is a different Suns team, right? So we talk about this a lot. When they're down, they can actually get themselves back up nowadays. So it's something different to watch. Um, it was very interesting. It's about adjustments in this game. Basically guarding the perimeter. They covered that in the second half, mostly the fourth, fourth quarter, and then getting those rebounds. So adjustments, John, they made adjustments, and then that's why they won this game. Well, and there you go. I mean, that's expert analysis brought to you by the Suns Jam Session and Matthew Lissy That's here. all I got. You know, there's a saying that I utilize a lot with my team, and that's champions adjust. And that's what it takes to truly be a champion. You don't be a champion by going out every night and doing the same thing and expecting the same result. You're going to get punched in the face. You're going to get pushed back. You're going to be, you know, put in tough situations. It's how do you respond? How do you adjust? And the Phoenix Suns did that tonight as they beat the Portland Trailblazers by a score of 127 to 121 on the road. They're now 25 and 11 on the season and going back to the bubble. And technically, you know, the last year, because Matthew, it's been a year since COVID-19 shut the NBA down to the day. Uh, mm -hmm. The Suns in the past 365 days now carry a record with them of 33 and 11, which is just unbelievable. It is, man. What a year. I mean, to the date, like you said, it's been a crazy year, but I mean, the Suns themselves, they, they're they the most positive thing taken out of this whole year. They have yes, to be. Absolutely. Uh, what, a, what a fun team to watch. We got plenty to talk about on this edition of the Suns Jam Session podcast. Uh, everything from the recap of the Portland Trailblazer game to some of that LaMarcus Aldridge talk. I know that he's a name yeah. that's become available recently, so Matthew and I are going to give our thoughts on that on the back end of the podcast. But before we get there, here is your reminder to go ahead, subscribe, rate, and review if you're listening on the Bright Side of the Sun podcast network. I was looking, Matthew, we only have 39 rates on Apple Podcasts. We need to get some more of those. Give us some five-star ratings do. on there, I forget people. about them. I forget about Apple. Yeah, everyone, Apple guys, so yeah. if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, give us one of those five-star reviews. If you're watching on YouTube live, we appreciate it. Make sure you hit the thumbs up button uh, and you go ahead and subscribe as well. And you can hit that little bell to remind you when you uh, we go live, which is after every Suns game. Uh, we did do our mid-season jammies on our last episode, our episode. Uh, so you can go back and look in our channel and check out some a of those fantastic ones. A lot of dong talk. It always Sorry, ends guys. up there, doesn't it? <laughs> remind me what EJ said. Did you hear EJ tonight really quick? Hmm. He, he almost called, um, ah, what did what do you say? He's all big blank word. He's all big word Kevin, meaning like word. Like he was yeah. going to say big dick Kevin, and he couldn't say it on air. That's he must have been watching the pod, dude. Because he's a he's a fan of the Suns Jam Session show. I get it. Yeah. So EJ, come on the show with us sometime. I'm actually, <laughs> I was actually thinking, uh, for like sixty five bucks, you can do. Do you know what cameo is? Yeah, yeah. So for sixty five bucks, you can get a cameo from EJ. And I was thinking about Not raising bad. some money and having him say, you know, this is Eddie Johnson. You're watching the Suns Jam Session podcast and then put him on the show <laughs> as, be, as a drop. Yeah, that'd be great. I mean, if yeah. we had to pay 65 bucks, I guess it's worth it. I thought you were going to say 65 bucks to say, hey, Matthew, happy birthday, even though it's not my birthday. Just a shout out to me because he is my dad. 
Maybe someday. Maybe someday. I mean, okay, someday. He, he would be the most famous person on the show. For for now, we just have our most famous drop of fuck from our buddy Dave <laughs> King there. So, uh, again, plenty uh, to talk about. Thank you to everybody who's joined us yeah. live in the chat. It looks like it's popping off as per usual. So we'll go ahead and get this show started. What are you drinking tonight, Matthew? Water again? Just- some water tonight. It's been a long day. Got to hydrate. I hear you. you. More body armor for me. I'll, I'll drink on Good. the weekend. So pop them if you got them, Suns fans. That sounds so lame. It sounds good. Let's go, Suns. The Phoenix Suns begin the second half of the NBA season with a trip to Portland. And for the second time this season, they have defeated the Portland Trailblazers, which is important because we will play this team, I believe, a total of three times this year. Hmm. And for seeding purposes and tiebreakers, this is an important win, Matthew. Oh, yeah, it is. I mean, any game against the Western conference is very very important and you can just see i mean uh, the blazers have been shorthanded all year but they absolutely have knocked down shooters on their team still they have guys that are really you know i am totally scared of a lot of these guys that are on the court still carmelo anthony trent jr so a lot of these west teams are built that way so no matter if they're shorthanded or not like you're gonna get these teams coming out and they're gonna have to win these games for their own team to get them in better position seating wise in the west and head to head, who knows? I mean, if the Suns have to play them again in the playoffs, you know, we got these games to where, you know, we can watch some film, see how this team is, but they might be a little bit different when those guys get back. Yeah, it's a scary team if you really think about it. I mean, knowing that CJ McCollum is still out and he's somebody who was scheduled to come back for this game, they're still going to give him some more time. So, you know, the Suns lucked out again. And, you yeah. know, we are 25 and 11, and a lot of those wins have come against depleted teams. And I'm okay with that. A win is a win, especially against a Western uh, Conference foe, as you mentioned. So I'll take that. But having him out, having uh, Nurkic out, this is really a team that could be scary moving forward. And they showed it in the first half tonight what they're capable of. They're a team that likes to shoot a lot of threes. Uh, Enos Cantor was you know killing the Suns on the interior in this game. Mm-hmm. And again, Carmelo Anthony, the ageless one, continues to know how to to – Put the ball in the hoop, and it's you know that's the thing that'll keep yeah. you in the league. I think it's kind of interesting that Carmelo Anthony, for about half of a season, was not a part of a team until I Portland picked him up. It's one of the weirdest things that I feel like has ever happened in NBA, where he just kind of fell off. I don't know if it was between him and himself and his ego of him wanting to come off the bench. Maybe that was part of it. Him getting used to the fact that he's a bench guy now, and it does happen. I mean, you see Blake Griffin now. Not that Blake Griffin is maybe as good as Carmelo Anthony uh, career wise. But it's going to happen to where you get to the point where you have to come off the bench. He's accepted that. That's why he's done so well with the Blazers. And that's why they're still scary because, you know, he's not in the starting lineup. But then once he comes in, it's like, oh, crap, this guy's one still one of the best scorers in the game. So you have to look out for him as well. Absolutely. And I think that it's really uh, a challenge and a credit to this, the depth of the Suns that when you have a professional scorers who can come in the game and pose a threat, that they can stop that threat when, you know, the crunch time happens when the rubber meets yeah. the road, when the fourth quarter occurs. You look at this game, and I'm looking at a lot of the chat, and a lot of people are uh, really giving – they're really giving it to DA, man. They're really giving it to oh. DA. So, you Can know, I start it? it? I, I think it's that time. Ain't no 
Watch 2021. Not the best effort by our friend DeAndre Ayton there in this game. Uh, I don't know if it was a, uh, a hangover from having a week off and he just wasn't engaged. Um, but you look at you know what some of the jamsters are saying in the chat. Uh, Ayton, uh, this is Kenneth Payne. He says Ayton was playing like Lil Dick Ayton tonight. Oh, careful with that. <laughs> you, know, you can't be throwing that around. You know, DA was around. the best tonight. He was unstoppable. Clearly, mm-hmm. uh, Grim Ripa is being facetious with that statement. Um, you know, g- give me your thoughts and your observations on DA, and then we can kind of talk about the game as it progressed. Yeah, I mean, he had the time off. All right, so you're not going to build any chemistry with your team when you have the time off. You're going to have to practice by yourself. You have to be in the gym like Javon Carter did. Javon Carter said as soon as the last game ended, he was back in the gym. And he's going to be here waiting for the team when they get back. So it's up to Aiden. Was he in the gym? Was he in there getting ready for the second half of the season? Or was he taking time off? Time off, of course, is fine. You can do that whatever but chemistry is one thing he really needs with the team especially with chris paul still so you can't work on that but aiden tonight it was an absolute it was kind of a, it was a disappointment it started out pretty good the first half wasn't too bad the first quarter was pretty decent i feel like he was kind of getting his way on offense and he he looked like he was running the floor getting like he had that dunk on the fast break which was nice to watch so stuff like that was cool right but off the it, bat that was the right first off the thing bat. It, it was a tip it was cp3 a dunk and then yes the alley-oop. Uh, fast yeah, break the alley-oop. alley-oop yep yeah and then you know you saw that stuff it's like okay Aiden Aiden he looks like he's in position to maybe have a pretty decent game but he couldn't find his position on the floor offensively defensively of course Cantor we'll talk about maybe in a little bit but he is mm-hmm. one of the best offensive rebounders in the game right now mm-hmm. he's second in the league so I mean a lot of people don't know they're like oh come on Cantor but he is that guy it's like you have to look up his stats you know he does punish people underneath but Aiden just not able to get his body in front of him was so frustrating it's like you can't use your hands you can't use your arms to get in front of this guy he is a brick house dude like you can't put that butt in his groin to move him around you know Mm -hmm. and that just didn't happen i mean he was benched in the fourth uh sarich was really fighting for that role and you see that now i mean you see sarich and chris paul kind of have this reputation now to where they have this chemistry and it's beautiful to watch and sarich is kind of beating him out now and if you watch the last few games um, not the Golden State game, of course, because that was a blowout. But Saric yeah. is actually getting some good minutes with Chris Paul. Aiden needs to find a way to learn from Saric because in games like this, when you have a guy under in the block who's just going to plant himself underneath the basket and get whatever he can, you have to find ways around that to stay on the floor to help your team towards the end. That's just not what he did tonight. So maybe he was a little bit just hungover from his a couple days off. But if he, if he had days off, that's fine. I'm not going to argue with that. Hey, guess what, Suns fans? Aiton didn't necessarily have the greatest game. We still won by six points, and we know that it was nine points because there was a three at the end that was a garbage three. So, Suns are going to be okay. Uh, I'm seeing this kind of uh, Martin. Wait, in the is that chat. your Aiton watch? Is that it? No, 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 no. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll get into it. Uh, okay, Martin okay. in the chat keeps saying Aiton for LaMarcus. We'll, we'll talk about LaMarcus Aldridge at the end, but that is a ridiculous statement. Why would you give up uh, somebody of that caliber for LaMarcus Aldridge? A, and Spurs. And B, yeah, give him to the Spurs so he can just beat the shit out of us, you know, for the next 10 years. B, <laughs> and C, it doesn't work. The contracts, literally, it won't work. So, uh, you know, it's it's frustrating, obviously, when he has a game like that because you want him to come out and perform in the manner that we're accustomed to. We want to see him uh, dominate a team that doesn't necessarily have a bunch of bigs. But to your point, Matthew, big penis Enos, Enos Cantor, has a, yeah. uh, is a, a really quality 
rebounder, and he took him out of his game. And guess what? DeAndre Ayton plays extremely well against Nikola Jokic, and he's played well against Embiid. And so these are, you know, premier centers in the league. Mm -hmm. Every now and then he's going to have a dud. You know what? Every now and then everybody has a dud. And this wasn't the greatest game, no. And But again, we still won this game. And I think it's unbelievably vital to understand and appreciate that fact. You look at his statistics, he ended with 11 points uh, on 5 of 8 shooting with 4 rebounds in only 23 minutes because, to your point, um, he did get outplayed by Saric and that that chemistry that Saric and uh, Chris Paul is developing statistically. If you go and you look at some of like the plus minuses when they're on the court together, it's actually really, really uh, positive. I mean, it's just it's it's a really good combination having those two out there, and they know how to play together. So, of course, you know Monty's going to pull that trigger if Aiton's not mm-hmm. going to play well. Frank was out there too, getting his ass owned. You know, I mean, the whole reason that they started Frank tonight with DeAndre Ayton was in an effort to try to negate Enos Cantor, and both of them combined couldn't do it. That that should show you the credit that you need to give to Enos Cantor, okay? Uh, Dave King said this today uh, in response to one of his tweets, and I thought this was a really good point. He goes, if the Suns didn't have Ayton on this team, we would constantly lament the need for a switchable, backline protecting defensive anchor and a 60% true shooter a uh, good touch big man for the Suns to be a real contender. And we'd irrationally want him for 10 million or less and be 22 years or younger. Every one of those things is what DeAndre Ayton is. Mm-hmm. Every one of those things. And if we didn't have him on this team, if Dario Sarge was our starting five, who would be backing him up? Okay. Mm-hmm. Who would who would be uh, you know putting in those quality minutes that Dario's providing right now as he backs up DeAndre Ayton? So DeAndre Ayton didn't have the greatest. I, I like how you can see also that I liked it. As you can see my heart on Twitter <laughs> that I liked it. Uh, but it's a very valuable point. So DA didn't have the biggest uh, and baddest game. I'm okay with it because, again, guess what? We won this game pretty handily against a team that is definitely feisty and can make up a lot of ground real quick. Oh, you're 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 totally right. And I think that... I mean, I'm not, no one's blaming Aiden at all. I mean, there's just things you can learn from in this game. I mean, he did, someone brought up in the third quarter, third quarter, he had three buckets in there. And I think when he was around the glass later on, he wasn't even in the paint at all on the offensive end. And that's where we love Aiden a lot of the times is on the offensive end when he's under near the basket, he can sometimes get those putbacks, but he wasn't even trying to do it this game. And it's not like he's afraid. It's not like he's tentative, maybe a little bit tentative around cancer, but he has and to absolutely try to get in there and get those rebounds because he can, and it's just a learning experience and he can learn sitting on the bench in the fourth quarter. You can learn from what you're watching out there from Sarge in and, the fourth okay, quarter. So I think that's a great transition to Dario Sarge. What an amazing performance by him. I mean, he showed you some old school post-up basketball that you don't see very often in the NBA and Chris Paul completely and utterly exploited tonight. I mean, mm-hmm. when's the last time we saw somebody get fed the rock down there consistently possession after possession because they know they're going to I'll tell you Nikolai Jokic that's what Denver does in crunch time they just feed him down on the block and they let him create if if you try to guard him one-on-one he's going to lay it in now obviously he's going to lay it in a lot more pretty in a prettier fashion than Dario Saric does but if you (laughs) throw a double team at him he'll make the right pass which Dario did tonight and to that learning point that we're talking about with DeAndre Ayton I think that that's something that instead of kind of smiling on the on the uh, the bench and you know high five and as the team's hitting threes, he should be sitting there just watching Dario and be like, shit, how do I do that? How do I become a good post up hell, a great post up player? 
with his passing uh, ability, I think that DeAndre Ayton could be really elite if he learned that skill, and he's got a great guy to learn from. Yeah, and it's crazy the difference when you watch Sarich actually get in position to get the ball down low on mismatches. How many times do we see Aiden in mismatches and the ball cannot get to him? Mm-hmm. Like It is just a different world when Sarich has that mismatch. He finds a way to put himself in good position to where the ball can get to him and then he can take advantage of him and he takes his time. Mm-hmm. That is one thing you, I mean, Aiden's going to learn to take his time on these mismatches, which he had all night against Cantor. I mean, Cantor can't really play like a defense, so he had to have gone, gone after him more than what he did tonight, especially in the future. He has to know, like, take your time, back down, get a good shot like Sarge does. Sarge won't make them all. I mean, only 11 points tonight, but those passes you were talking about were great. Those That's like another extension of his game this year you're seeing a lot of, but in the post, in the paint, when nothing's there, when he knows like a hook shot would be a bad shot, he found Nader for a wide open three. Like he is starting to do that more. Aiden can do that too. Aiden has done that. It's just these mismatches getting the ball. You can just see the difference between those two, right? Between the two where Sarge is going to have like a better way for either Chris Paul, Devin Booker, whoever it is, especially Chris Paul to give him the ball. Like they just know it. And I, it's just the experience. And that's what Sarge has right now is experience and then a little bit of uh, testosterone in the butt. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a little bit more of some drive and, and intensity and physicality <laughs> and a desire to try to finish around the rim instead of just settling for the mid-range shot, which he took a couple of them tonight against Enos Cantor. And you're like, come on, man. Like, yeah. You can take this guy off the dribble if you wanted to. But again, I think one of the issues that DA runs into is – he he gets lost in the traffic a little bit. I feel like a lot of those plays that CP3 was running for Dario were weak side plays where Dario was the big man on the weak side, so he didn't have anybody collapsing down on him on an entry pass. He had open entry passes, whereas DA, he doesn't have that opportunity, and they throw the double teams faster at DA because they know that he's a he's a better offensive talent, so you know he doesn't have the time to really kind of establish himself, which Dario had, and to his credit, Dario took advantage of those minutes. You know, like you said, he only had those 11 points uh, and 24 total minutes in the game, you know, but he dominated the fourth quarter to the point where DA didn't get a chance to come back in. And Dario Mm -hmm. was a plus 15 overall. He had five rebounds. He had the two assists and he's just, just pesky enough uh, on offense to, I mean, imagine being a Portland trailblazer fan tonight and you're up 10 easy in the, in the second quarter. That's tied at halftime. You're like, damn, how did that happen? And then you're up 13 in the third, and you're like, you know what? We got this. Okay, we found our rhythm again. And then slowly but surely, the Suns just wear you out with Dario freaking Saric. You've got to be <laughs> yeah. If you're a Trailblazer fan, you're, yeah. going to, you're going to bed pissed tonight. You are, but then if you're a player in the NBA, you watch Saric, how he's owned that role off the bench. He hasn't started. He is coming in there, and he's playing the best six-man I mean, one of the best six-man ways that any player is playing right now. Mm-hmm. So it's you have to take it away from there. But I think also, like you were saying, with the fans watching and how it's like, Dario Sarge, come on. I mean, people have to know by now, right, about Dario Sarge a little bit. He's kind of getting on the radar a little bit. He has to be. I, I just think he's playing phenomenal as a six-man. So it has to continue, and it's going to continue. That's the best thing about this is you know – for a fact that this is going to be something that's going to continue throughout the year with Sarge. As long as he's on the floor, he mm-hmm. is just that good. And he's, I mean, even 11 points tonight, like I said earlier, it doesn't matter. Just the presence, his experience on the floor, passing the ball, all of it, all around is just really great right now. Yeah, and, you know, they mentioned it on the broadcast, and, you know, I can do some math, so I can I can do plus one. But Eddie Johnson said on the broadcast that in the last 30 games, the son that Dario Sarge has played, Going back to last season, the Suns are 25 and five. So now they're 26 and five in the last 31 games that he's played. And that's 
unbelievably valuable the the effort that he's mm-hmm. uh, he's provided and he might get some six man of the year votes because again the suns are winning and we're getting yes. noticed and the national media is turning their eyes to phoenix and going okay how and then when they look at how then they start to really look at at members of the team like dario sarge <laughs> and and you know mikhail bridges too for defensive player of the year we talked about this on our last mm-hmm. podcast on our uh midseason jammy awards and we talked about how there's a possibility that he could become a second team all nba player this season and that's because of the uh the defense that he's playing but the attention that the suns are getting and again the why the hell are they be so successful well part of it is mikhail bridges defense you know one question i had for you matthew as i was watching the game was obviously you had mikhail bridges on dame lillard and that makes sense. He's your best player, so you put Mikhail on the best player. But one thing that a lot of teams do now with Mikhail and uh, the Portland Trailblazers were doing a lot is they were just running switches all day long. And you mm-hmm. know, you can sit there and and I, I really like to see the advanced stats. Obviously, those will come out overnight, and I'll, I can look at them tomorrow morning and just kind of see how did Damian Lillard truly do when Mikhail was on him because. Uh, you know, Lillard being the professional scorer that he is had 30 points, eight assists, seven rebounds. Obviously not all of those came on uh, with Mikhail Bridges guarding him, but do you yeah. think it's a, it's a good idea to start Mikhail on him or why not just put CP three on Dame Lillard? And if they try to run any switches, boom, now he's now Mikhail's on him or now somebody else is on him. What, what are your thoughts on that? Well, then they would know that. I mean, as, as the offense, you would know, okay, Mikhail's playing over there, but they're going to switch him over. It's going to happen. I think when you're an elite player, a superstar like Lillard and you're, you're running the offense, you know, to get away with from Mikhail, no matter what, so that's going to happen when he's when he's actually trying to tame these all-stars, these superstars. He has to find a way still in the defensive end to get them. But just that presence of him, even the full court, you saw it in the fourth quarter where he's playing the full court defense. I know in the beginning of the season, I was kind of like, why is he doing that? Is he wasting his energy? But you said it's like a mental thing. It's like he's always there. So even mm-hmm. if the switches are there, they know Mikhail's just around the corner. So long, there's this, even if he's not on him, on switches, when he gets switched off, just complications of, him in his arms getting in the way it passes i mean even whoever he switches on to that's that's a disruption it's just he's always going to be there and he's always gonna be a presence i don't know is there a way in the history of the league has there been a way to get around these switches like to where you know like you were saying can he play off and then play back on later on when he's not on him i don't know how that even works but i don't think it really <laughs> does work when you're a superstar like lillard or any of these players that Mikel you're, gonna against, you're not gonna know you're i mean it's gonna be you can't you can't figure it out, I don't think. Yeah, it's the the key is to have as many wings who can defend the three and D guys. That's why three and D players are so valued in the NBA now, is because yeah. the way that when you get into playoff basketball, all teams do is run switches to try to create mismatches. It's the same thing as a quarterback on offense. If they see that their wide receiver in the slot has a good matchup. He, they're going to try to run him in motion and get him over here on a linebacker. If it, if the guy goes with him, they know it's man coverage. Now he knows he's got a mismatch somewhere else. So that, that's all you're trying to do the whole game long is to generate mismatches. But I think the Suns are well-versed to do so because of the way that we have uh, this roster constructed with the Jay Crowders, with the uh, Mikael Bridges, with Cam Johnson when he's healthy and he's out there playing. You definitely have, and even Aiton. Aiton is somebody who can switch. If it's not Dame Lillard or James Harden or LaMelo Ball, he provides yeah. switchability on defense because of his athleticism, his ability to move laterally and cut these guys off and then make up space by blocking shots. That's where he's valuable. That's not what we needed to win this game because 
uh, Damian Lillard wasn't necessarily carving us up as other teams uh, main scoring options have it was more of our rebounding that was getting killed and guess what Dario Sarge was the guy who can go in there and like you said take that big butt throw it into Cantor get into his hip get his center of gravity off and now mm-hmm. a, a fellow member of the team the Jay Crowders the Abdel Nader's uh, Abdul Nader uh, the other guys on the team could pick up those boards and that was those adjustments we talked about at the top of the the podcast you need to have adjustments in order to be successful that was the adjustment that Monty made he goes listen I got a guy who can push guys around down there i know offensively we're going to be fine because we have a great offensive team i mean mikhail ridge is back to him how great was he eight for ten tonight 18 points and he just he makes it look so flawless and it, uh, our buddy flex from jersey says it all the time on twitter and i agree with him 110 percent. he's like scotty pippen and he's developing more of that offensive game that scotty had with his length it's almost like a renaissance it's really fun to watch <laughs> Yeah, I wish I knew what it was like to watch Pippen. I mean, it's not the same watching highlights. But, I mean, he is like the Sandman of the New York Yankees, Mariano Rivera. He throws that cutter. He's He is the cutter. When he actually cuts to the rim, he is unstoppable. Also, just, I mean, running the fast break. I mean, have you seen him ever have that good of ball control? He he has it, but has have you ever actually seen him like it's been believe smooth. in himself to have it? It, yeah, it was it's smooth, very smooth tonight, man. It was smooth. He keeps the ball away with his long arms. He can use his body. He's still strong. He can get to the rim at will. I think he takes one step, or I'm sorry, takes one dribble past half court, and then like three steps, and he's at the rim. That's the way he is right now. And this game, I don't think he's cut this much to the basket or gone to the basket this much. And a lot of people love his three. I do too. He made it. He mm-hmm. went one for two. The one that went in looked really, really good. Mm-hmm. But him getting to the rim is really his defining moment to where he can turn the page and be that next, the, take the next step. And exactly. that's what he needs to keep doing. And I, I know the Bridges Law, you know, make the three. They're going to win the game. But when he gets in a groove like this, you can just see it on his body, the confidence he has in himself in the game to where he's making plays, like I said earlier, to where he's running the fast break and can finish by himself, that does a lot for his confidence. And I think that he needs that for this team to be successful. He has to continue to do that. And I mean, unlike we talk about Aiden, where we were like, oh, keep doing this, keep the ball up high. Bridges is learning and he's sticking to it. Like he's not going away from the things he's learned from game to game. He's not going back to old habits. He'll have the games, of course, where he shoots three, but he's knocking them down now. So I mean, he's almost kind of unstoppable on offense. You have to really watch him out because no one watches their guy on defense really when they're off ball. So it's easier to cut now in the NBA to where he can get to the rim. And that's what he's just taking advantage of, I think. Yeah, and he looks, again, so smooth doing it. And that's a great point. He's evolving. You know, it's not like you learn something and then it goes away for a little bit. And then three games later, you see it again. You're like, oh, there it is again. I hope there's some consistency. He's developing that consistency to the point where we're going to have a really tough decision as a franchise on who we pay when the offseason comes. Because Mikhail Bridges and DeAndre Ayton are both going to have opportunities for extensions. We can still have them go through next season without signing those extensions. But allocating that money is going to be a very interesting uh, decision for James Jones. It's going to be the true you know, defining moment. You know, I, I know that Ryan McDonough, when he first came into the Suns, he, you know, the way that he drafted, uh, I think it was Alex Len first, and then it was D book and it was TJ Warren. And, you know, it, things started off great. And then, you know, he hit a couple of tough decisions and he took the wrong fork in the road. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what he does there. Uh, I will say that the Suns Jam Session podcast, we've officially made it because trolls have showed up. We've got uh, NBA Highlights 10 coming here and saying, nice, l- lucky win. Just wait till CJ and Nurt come back. So we, we've done it. We've done it. 
Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, it's still going to be a scary team when they come back. But I, mean, I that's agree. And we said you that already. Win these games, right? I mean, Suns haven't won these games. Do, you, do they know who they're talking to, Suns fans, of the last 10 years? Like, <laughs> we never win these games in the past, man. Yeah. This is just the way that we have to cherish these wins. Absolutely. I mean, think about it. In the past, if we had gone down 10 and mm-hmm. fought all the way back and tied it, and then went down 13 in the third quarter, you could the game was over. The Suns were too winded, trying so hard to fight back to get back in the game that it was over. You know, we went up 10 points in the fourth quarter. I mean, we turned it around. So as JT in Phoenix says, good W for the Suns. Simply put. Simply, <laughs> simply put. Uh, again, this is a reminder to everybody who's watching, whether you're a Suns fan or just somebody here to show up and let us know how great the Trailblazers are. Go ahead and subscribe to the pod. Hit the thumbs up button. Go ahead and press the little bell. Let's you know when we go live. And if you're listening on the Bright Side of the Sun podcast network, please subscribe, rate, and review. Uh, I do want to give a little bit of love, and I see that we have some people in the chat who are asking why we haven't done it as to this point. Hey, there's a lot of people to give love to, and I got a couple more things I want to talk about. Um, but Big Cock Cam, that didn't come off. Oh, the, man. Didn't, didn't work. Didn't work. A little bit of a hiccup. Yeah. Big Cock Cam. Campaign. Jeez. Really yeah. solid, really solid uh, game today. Came in, was hitting those threes right off the bat. Ended up going four for five from the field. And had a total of 13 points, had six assists, exactly what you want from a backup playmaker when CP3's sitting on the bench. Uh, It's, again, nice to see in consecutive games, going back to the Golden State game, having him come in and just solidify that role. It just it it puts your mind at ease that we're not struggling to make plays when CP3's not out there making the plays. No, exactly. I mean, he needed the last game to get really back, get back his momentum. And that's exactly what he showed in this game. What is great, too, about this game is towards the end, you see Booker took over. And I mean, Aiden did pretty good. He had six points under the basket, had the end one that missed the free throw. But yeah. Booker, took, Booker took over. Then the bench came in, took over. Chris Paul then took over. Mm-hmm. Then all of them, all of them together took over. Even with Chris Paul out, you had campaign come in off the bench. Booker playing with the bench. They just continued to actually fight together. And I, it was the bench, the starters, all of them, the mixing and matching. It's endless, really, with this team. But campaign, he is one. I mean, one of the reasons we kind of have a little bit of hesitation with this team is because of backup point guard, just because he was MIA for a while. But now he's actually that guy again tonight. Even though he had a kind of a bad turnover at the end, it doesn't matter. He he just looks like he's flowing better on offense. Six assists is great. 13 points is awesome. But just to have him have that confidence in himself because he beats himself up so much after every mistake to where no one has to talk to him because he knows what he did wrong. He mm-hmm. knows what he should have done. He He's not the guy to where you have to coach. He knows exactly what to do. He's not having – he doesn't have, like, the experience, of course, but he knows what to do when he comes in and, and plays backup point guard to Chris Paul. Like, he has this opportunity in his hands to be that guy in the playoffs coming up to where he's going to play valuable minutes. So this is great. We need this confidence to flow, and it needs to stay a little consistent throughout the year. But, I mean, what would you think? I mean, his he looked great tonight, dude. Yeah, and again, it's nice to have that – thought in the back of your mind be appeased okay we've got a playmaker with cp3 out this is going to be nice to watch i like this i would like the way that he forces the issue on offense he uh gets himself going a little bit offensively and then from there he knows how to set up his teammates and that's everything that you want from a backup point guard uh somebody said i think in the chat that what uh khalid says uh what is his contract he needs to be paid one thing that's great about a lot of the Suns is they all make like 1.6 million a year like the way more that James Jones, yeah, more, yeah, well, that's just slightly more than we do here on the pod, you know. 
But yeah. I mean, he just the fact that he's built this contract or the, this team on the contracts that he has with the talent that he has, like kudos to James Jones for what he's done. Yeah. You know, so you have him on one side of it, and then you have on the other side you have Devin Booker and Devin Armani Booker. What a great game for Welcome him tonight! Thirty-five points on twelve of twenty-one shooting, so twenty-one shots, thirty-five points. That's how you do it. That's why I bitch and moan about Trey Young. And uh, Donovan Mitchell, the inefficient guys. This is <laughs> yeah. it right here. 35 yeah. on 21 total shots. Eight freight from the free throw line. Also added eight assists. Uh, another solid performance by Dev Booker. And just smooth. Again, that's the best way to describe yeah. both him and Dev and uh, Mikhail Bridges tonight. Both those guys just look so smooth, dude. Yeah, I said welcome back, Booker, but he didn't even miss any time. I'm so used to him getting hurt and missing time <laughs> and, then, and then coming he back. He missed the but All-Star game. He like, missed the All-Star game, which was smart. Stay out yes. of there, just stay home, get some rest. We need you because he knows what's more important. He's been an All-Star. He's been an All-Star again, and he knows what's more important is the playoffs coming up and this team in Phoenix. So for him to actually come out, he looked a little bit – I mean, he got he got off a good three, a three that looked really, really solid. His footing, his liftoff, everything looked great. And then after that, he kind of looked a little bit different, a little bit in a funk. But after that, I mean, he brought he basically got, took the Suns in his hands and brought them back. And it's just good to see that. I mean, he hasn't really missed a beat. I mean, this year, the last two months have been playing great. This mm-hmm. is another game. He knows that he has a chance maybe to even make a first, second, or third team All-NBA. We talked about last pod. Mm-hmm. And this is the way to do it. When you come in off of injury, you're not going to get the highlights from Bleacher Report, of course. But it's just a simple way to get your team a win. Don't force the threes, even though you saw a few of them from Book earlier in the game. Just keep playing your game and playing the two-point game like he does and get to the rim. And he his temper was under control. There was a time there when there, the Blazers and the Suns were going back and forth. Like, And I thought Booker might lose it because he was turning the ball over a few times. DA was messing up on a few times. And I just thought maybe he's going to lose it. And he thought maybe a couple fouls should have went his way. But he didn't. He kept his calm. He set up the offense the next play. And then it was all over from there. Yeah, and you made a great point. As, uh, when you referenced it a little bit earlier, how everyone was kind of taking their turns, taking over this game. And the one time that yeah. he was really in a funk was because Robert Covington was guarding him. And, you know, that's a plus defender. That's a challenging defender for Devin Booker. Uh-huh. He's a long guy. He's tall. He's physical. He can take Booker off of his shots. He's quick enough to beat Booker to some of his spots. And Booker, you know, yeah. he had he had that uh, that challenge with him being in his face there in about the third quarter, a uh, second into third quarter. But, you know, just to go to prove the type of player that Devin Booker is, is he'll learn how to score no matter what you throw at him. You start throwing double teams at him. Now I'm going to get some assists too. So thank you for that. Uh, but very smooth again tonight and making his case continually, as we mentioned, it's going to be tough for him to make an all NBA team. A lot of things need to happen. And of course he needs to start increasing that overall scoring average and when he put yes. together some 35 point nights on an of a, a, a very f- efficient 35 points those are the kind of things that are going to get you into those conversations for those all nba teams because i mean how may, amazing would it be to see you know two years ago uh devin booker decides yes i'm staying in phoenix i'm signing a long-term extension i'm going to help take this team to the next level and now he has the opportunity to be an all nba player i mean it's just mm-hmm. sometimes i feel like i'm living in a dream my friend CP three, CP three. It is. I mean, I just, I'm so happy yeah. with the Suns as I know. It's you know, you can't. Awesome, man. I, I see people at work and they're like, I, the Suns are really doing good. I'm like, yes, they are. Let me talk to you yes. about them, please. And they're like, get away from me, sir. 
COVID. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, CP32, you know, didn't necessarily have one of the, his greatest performances of the season, but he ended with 19 points and seven assists. So, I mean, mm. it was seven for 15 shooting, not one of his great shooting performances. But again, I think it was very astute. And, and Eddie keeps mentioning this on the broadcast, and I'll, I'll talk about this with this team. Their basketball IQ is something that's to be admired and appreciated because they could have got tried to get into a three-point shooting contest with the Portland Trailblazers tonight. They really could have. They could have said, you know what? They're jacking up threes. We're down 10. You know, We're down 13 in the third. The only way to get back is by making threes. And when you have CP3 as a leader and you have Monty Williams and, and the trust that they've developed in each other, they're going to start going inside to the point where you're collapsing inside and then the threes open up on the outside. And that was led by CP3. Yeah, I mean, CP3 kind of looked a little bit tired in the beginning of the game. He looked exhausted. You know how he bangs his back against the under yeah. the basket? He just looked like he didn't want to do that to start this yeah, game. He, just he, did, like, like, he did it one time, and he's like, I'm done. Yeah, he's just, his, his jersey was untucked. I feel like every time he goes, maybe it's always untucked when he does it, but he just looked like out of sorts a little bit. But he came through with some big shots. I mean, he especially when he was giving up to Dario Saric, he knew where to go with the ball to where he'd have to expend – any energy, like the energy that I feel like he didn't have tonight, which is fine. I mean, it, it's excusable. It's been a long weekend for him. So for yes. him to come in, that's what's so valuable about him. It's like he knows where to put the ball, where who to give it to to take over. He knows how to do that. And that's how the assists get up there. That's how his points are so low because he doesn't have to shoot. And he's, but he still hits big shots. He's only had like a few games this year towards the last maybe two months to where he just had some duds shooting. And when he's trying to shoot, you know, when he's trying to get that mid range to go down, but not today. Today, actually, he looked he looked pretty solid. I, I thought he was great tonight, even though he looked tired. And it makes sense, obviously, as you mentioned, a long all star weekend. He played a big performance in that win for Team LeBron. So yeah, he's a little gassed, and the yeah. team picks him up. And again, the astuteness of him of Chris Paul is, I'm going to feed my. Uh, guys around me until they're not making shots. And that's what happened in that third quarter. When we started that comeback, he fed Dario inside Dario, you know, at one point didn't make uh, a layup or, or yeah. he had, the, he had the fade away, but that was with uh, only four seconds left on the shot clock. You know, the next play, he feeds a guy on the three point line. He doesn't hit the shot. And then he comes down, he hits a three, then he comes down he forces the issue and gets a foul. And so it's like just the, the ability for him to go, okay, right now is where I can throw, a, you know, about a seven point personal spurt in there. That's going to help the team. If we can lock them down, on the other side of the court, we pr could probably walk out of here with a win. Uh, the last thing I want to talk about before we get to the jam star of the game, which I will note, I forgot to do the drop in our last po live podcast after the game. I'm yeah. sorry for that, Jamsters. Uh, but I wanted to talk about Jay Crowder versus Carmelo Anthony. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you were watching this all game, but those two were jarring at each other the entire time. Anytime there was an inbound play, they were just like, right up against each other, slapping slapping their arms into each other, throwing elbows, doing everything they can. Did you notice that matchup, and how fun was it to watch? Oh, it was a lot of fun to watch. I love it when those two go at it, if they can ever. I mean, even if Crowder is playing anybody, he does the same thing with Cantor tonight, too. Cantor and him kind of looked like they were having a little talking going back and forth. Of course, Cantor's a little bit bigger, so maybe Crowder was kind of like, eh. Former I don't teammates wanna... with the Celtics. Yeah, exactly. So... I mean, him and Carmelo, it's nice because Carmelo, I feel like, is always that guy to start stuff every game. I mean, if it's not with the rest, it's with other other players on the court. I just wish I can hear what the hell they were saying because it looked like a lot of fun. Yeah, it's just some of those good competitive games, and it makes it even more fun when you when you leave yeah, the game exactly. with a victory. So mm -hmm. uh, let's see. I think it is about that time where we 
give out one of our awards. Jam star of the game. So if you're watching along live with us in the YouTube chat or on Facebook or Twitter, go ahead and let us know who you think your jam star of the game is. Matthew, would you like to lead us off with the honors? Yeah, I'm going to go Mikhail Bridges. For the one fact that he is evolving, like we brought up before, but you see more to his game tonight. And that was just the fast break, the ball handling. He did turn it over once, crossing half court, but it doesn't matter. Just him getting that confidence and handling the ball and actually pushing the fast break is something I've always wanted to see. Even when he is leading the fast break and he's the only guy out in the open, it's fine. He knows how to finish. But him cutting and all of that, it continues to improve. It's the greatest thing to see. I just love seeing players adding little things to their, to their game, especially him being only the third year in the league. It's just it's it's crazy to think that he still has more to improve on and more things to add that he can add. So when you see him like tonight, it's just I have to give him jam star, especially 18 points, only making one three. That's really, really good for him, especially because if he's shooting threes and actually getting the point total up there, it's usually about the same amount of points. But only tonight, it was like a lot at the rim. So I love to see that. And uh, what I love about a game like this is a lot of people um, are talking in the chat about multiple players. Some are yeah. saying campaign. A lot of people obviously are saying Booker with his 35 easy points. Uh, a lot of people are agreeing with you that it is Bridges. Some are saying Sarich. Some are saying uh, campaign. So uh, a lot of <laughs> a lot of different a lot of different guys can get this award. And yeah. I'll, I'll do a cop out. I guess I won't go necessarily with the player. I'm going to go with Monty Williams adjustments because I think the ability to recognize that DeAndre Ayton versus Enos Cantor with Frank Kaminsky there, that wasn't working. That was the starting lineup tonight. And this is why we always talk about on the podcast, you know, the debate kind of goes back and forth amongst Suns fans are, well, should we be starting Frank? Well, no, we should be starting Jay Crowder. Well, Cam Johnson should get a chance. None of that truly matters. It, it, it does matter in the sense that you want to develop a solid foundation for the beginning of a game and try to put more points on the scoreboard than the opposition. That makes sense. But the back end of the game is what's most important. And what the back end of the game represents are the adjustments that you've made to what the opposition's trying to do to you. And you can sit, you can sit there and look, you know what, on paper, Enos Cantor should be somebody that DeAndre Ayton dominates. But in reality, tonight, it wasn't happening. So Monty Williams made the astute adjustment to go, you know what, I'm going to put Dario Sarge in there. He's given everybody fits. They can't stop him on the block. He makes the worst, ugliest layups you've ever seen. But two points is two points, and that's what ends up winning this game. It's his yeah. the way that he's deployed his bench, the rotations that he did with campaign, getting Chris Paul out of the game with about seven minutes, bringing him back with three to kind of put the icing on the cake. All of that combined is why I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to give my jam start of the game to Monty Ooh. Williams adjustments. So Yes, exactly, and I love that. Actually, it's funny. We kind of forget about Monty, but I kind of forget about the starting lineup, how much I didn't even care anymore because – Right now, I don't even care. And before, I cared so much to make sure they keep the starting lineup together, make them mesh well together, whatever, all that blah, 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 crap. But now, it doesn't even matter. These guys, if they're coming off the bench, they're starting, they're still producing. So I have to get over that to where I'm just like, oh, like Frank Kaminsky starting? I don't even care anymore, honestly. Tonight was the first time I listened to him. I'm like, oh, Frank's starting? Okay, Monty knows what he's doing. And then why would I even question what a head coach in the NBA is doing? I don't know. I have no idea, but I Based love what on he's your doing vast now, man. experience. I, I yeah. understand why you're questioning he, him. He, and I love that. Yeah. Sarge was in there. He played the whole fourth quarter. Mm -hmm. So it was just like, is Aiden going to come back? And I was just like, nope. 
There's no way. <laughs> this guy is playing phenomenal, and Monty knows what he's doing, right? Yep. That's why he gets paid the big bucks. Guess what? All right. So for guess what, we had the question, who would win, Suns or Blazers? Oh, Oops. <laughs> Who remembers this one? I don't know. Uh, three days ago. So I think we both wanted the Suns to win. We did this on our Jammies podcast. Uh, mm-hmm. I said Blazers simply in an effort to try to catch Matthew because I'm losing in the standings. Now I'm three games behind you, Matthew. Digging yourself a hole. Digging I'm, yourself a big I'm, hole, John. I'm digging myself a hole that I can't get out of. And you know what? I'm okay with it because the Suns keep winning. I'm, this, I'm glad this isn't happening because the Suns are losing. So uh, up next for the Suns, we have the Pacers playing on Saturday, an 8 p.m. start, Mountain Standard Time. It will be the last 8 p.m. start of the season, seeing as Daylight Savings is on Saturday night going into Sunday. So if nice. you are not in Arizona, it's fall back, spring forward. So I think you're supposed to set your clocks forward. I don't know. I haven't lived in Daylight Savings since I was about 13 years old. Uh, Mm -hmm. So looking at this game, who is going to have more rebounds? Guess what? Who has more rebounds? Aiton or DeMontis Sabonis? I'm actually going to go Aiton on this one. I think he does learn his lesson. Sitting out the fourth quarter maybe taught him something, but he's going to get those rebounds. Because tonight, Eddie Jones, or Eddie Jones, Eddie Johnson. (laughs) Sorry, Dad. Eddie Johnson (laughs) talked about how Aiton needs to just focus on boards tonight. He couldn't get that done tonight, but he will the next game against the Pacers. I'm going to agree with you. Uh, Sabonis is a guy who can put up a lot of stats because I think they rely on him so much, but I think he's going to have a good bounce back game against the Indiana Pacers on Saturday night. He's going to come out with an intensity because he'll probably hear it from a couple players like, Hey man, you just can't push you around. And again, Aiden yeah. plays very well against all-star caliber players. So uh, th- I think we both agree on that one over mm-hmm. under Booker 27.5 points. The trend to get those stats up continues. He's going to be over. Okay. I think that uh, makes sense. What I said. Yes. No, he okay, wants cool. to push those stats higher. I think okay. the same thing. We both are in agreement. So let's go three for three. Who wins Phoenix or Indiana? All right. I'm going to do Phoenix for sure. For okay. sure. win. I'm doing Phoenix as well. I think All right. I, you better. I, yeah. you better. I would, I would just quit the competition because I would feel bad. <laughs> I'm waiting. I'm waiting you just, for that right time. And it ain't the right time against the Pacers. They're still like banged a gambler up. owing money or something. Well, I know. I just I want to <laughs> win. Sweating. You're killing me here. Well, when you look against at the matchup against the Pacers, I think that it's a team that has ever since the trade when they had, uh, they were part of the big Brooklyn uh, James Harden trade. They end up getting Karis Levert. Levert ends up going to. Um, uh, the the IR yes. you know because he, yeah. he, they they found during the physical that he had some mass on like his kidney so thankfully for him he got traded and they found I that know. mass and he but unfortunately they've lost Victor Oladipo in that trade and they haven't been right since uh, we've played them before when very early in the season the Suns did beat them Victor Oladipo did have a good game but without Carlos Levert I just I don't think that that team stands a chance so. Yeah, I know. And he's an awesome player. He's one of my favorite players before he was traded. I, mm-hmm. I was always trying to find a way. How can Carlos Levert play for the Suns when we had Ricky Rubio even? I'm like, he has to fit somehow, right? But then he's like the same size as Booker when it worked out. I just, I love him as a player and they need him. They need him. Brogdon yep. needs him next to him on the court because right now they're struggling five of the last six they've lost. So it's very disappointing season from a good start from the Pacers too. Mm-hmm. And they're just trying to find a way to score points. And with that, without your two guard, you're not going to score points. Yeah. Thoughts. Um, brains. 
So a lot of the talk that's going on right now in the NBA is relative Mm -hmm. to a tweet that came out yesterday from Shams. He said the Spurs and LaMarcus Aldridge have mutually agreed to part ways and are working on resolution, Coach Popovich says. So, of course, especially right now, we're in that time of year where the Suns are competing. Everybody is trying to think of different scenarios on how to bring other players to the Phoenix Suns in an effort to try to fortify this team and truly have a shot potentially at a deep playoff run. So when you hear the name LaMarcus Aldridge, you get excited and you think that, hmm, maybe he could work in Phoenix. So when you heard this, Matthew, what were your initial thoughts? I thought it would be a great fit. A buyout, yes, of course. It would be really great. Would he start? I don't know. I mean, would he be kind of like in the situation we are now where he would be you know, a starter one day, uh, a bench player the next day? Who knows? I don't think he really cares. I think he just wants to win a title, definitely. And I think he's, of course, past his prime. But right now with the... With the Spurs, he's not playing a whole lot of minutes, only 25 minutes per game. But any team he goes to, I can see that. I can see Phoenix being a good destination. I can see Miami being a good destination. Those are the first two teams I thought of. And I think Phoenix really makes sense. If you're not going to pay a lot of money, you're not going to trade anything for him. Just the addition itself, we need the big guy, right? That's the one thing we need. We need just the big body that can shoot. That's playoff experience. That's him. We need that guy. So if it happens, I'd be very, very happy. What about you? Well, my first thought is something that you kind of echoed. And just to break it down for Suns fans out there, know that the first thing that they're going to try to do that is uh, by they, I mean the Spurs, is they're going to try to trade him. He has he makes twenty five million dollars a year right now. And he's on the last year of his contract. He's an unrestricted free agent. So I don't know if you remember, but before the last season, he signed a two year, 20 or fifty million dollar contract, which I thought at the time was bogus. And I was glad they spent the money on him because that meant the Spurs weren't going to be as good, because I knew he's a player who's definitely past his prime. And the NBA's kind of changed around him in a way that he hasn't been as as effective ever since he went to San Antonio, and I think the way that they deploy him. So he's 35 years old. Uh, I don't think that anybody... the, The only team who could possibly trade for him is the Boston Celtics just because they have that uh, that trade exception that they got for mm-hmm. Gordon Hayward so they can actually make it happen and it's something that they need you look at their front line and it's not a very strong they have Thice or Tice or however you say his name they don't have a lot of depth behind him so I could definitely see that's the first thing that I thought of I thought LaMarcus Aldridge could end up in Boston so we'll see there. Yeah. if it does end up being a buyout candidate it now it's a question is is he the right buyout candidate do you want him going to the lake? I, uh, in my head, I think he's going to end up being a Laker. I truly do. I just, it makes too much sense to me that he's going to end up being a Laker because that's where they need assistance to, just like we do, is on our front line. That's why they brought in Damian Jones. That's why they signed him to his second 10 day contract today. So I could see him end up choosing to go there as a buyout candidate. Would I like, like him in Phoenix? Yes, if that's my only option, I guess. You know, for me, again, and I know we've mentioned this multiple times on the podcast, but hashtag JaVale McGee. Like, JaVale McGee right now, the Suns could trade for if we wanted to do a trade because he only makes $4 million a year. And I think he's exactly what the the Suns need, a no-ego guy, uh, kind of a prick, somebody who can push people around on the on the boards, something that we would have liked to see tonight, somebody who can rebound, somebody who can uh, – who has a championship experience. I mean, he, he's won a ring with the Los Angeles Lakers last year. And I think if they 
if Cleveland chooses to buy him out for, you know, le- it would be less than four million. He easily becomes a target for the Suns. So in my way that I think about it is if LaMarcus Aldridge does make it to the buyout market, I almost want him to be picked up by the Lakers because then JaVale McGee won't go to the Lakers. Now JaVale, <laughs> yeah. if he becomes a buyout, he might want to go back to the Lakers because that's where he was last year and he won a ring. He's like, why wouldn't I go back? But if LaMarcus has already taken up that space and, and filling the role that they need, now Phoenix comes even becomes even more appealing. Now we go to thinking about LaMarcus Aldridge actually as a member of this team. I'm not 100% against it. You know, the, the problem with LaMarcus this year is he's missed eight of the last 11 games before the All-Star break due to hip and quadricep injuries. He is injury prone. He has had challenges in his uh, the past couple of years on staying healthy. And is are you, are you bringing in somebody who you actually want productive or production from? Because you're not bringing in for all the playoff experience that he has. I mean, the Spurs have been in the playoffs, but he's not. They haven't done anything since the Aldridge era began. Well, the Blazers too. Yeah, he yeah he had some playoff experience, but again, mm-hmm. they they never went far. So he no, does have some, but I mean, it wasn't necessarily productive uh, experience that he had with them. So as a player, I can see it being a good fit. It's a good if if you really need him thing. You don't have to necessarily bring him in and insert him into the lineup. There's no way he'd start, by the way, in my opinion. There's no way he'd start. Oh, yeah. You know? Maybe not. And honestly, if we don't get him or we do get him, it doesn't really matter. I don't think he'll play like if he is going to be crucial in the playoffs or even the rest of the season, he'll play like those good two minutes. It was like, oh, thank God we had this guy to make that shot. You know, something like that. It's not going to be anything too crazy. And if he goes to another team, I don't think it's going to hurt us either. Either of these two guys, I would take Javel McGee, of course, I would take over just because he is a solid big. LaMarcus, you have to fit him in with the four and five. So that's more of a bigger question there. But I mean, if you're going to have just one of these guys, it's going to be JaVale McGee. And I will keep talking about it, of course. But I just think that if we get any of these guys, they're just going to fill in some really solid minutes. They're not going to be a big role player on this team. They're not. We have our role guys. They're they're there. This, this is just backup. This is just just in case something bad happens. Something actually, you know, if there is an injury or something, we'll have one of these guys and they can help out that way. It's nothing that's going to be like make or break really for the Suns team, I don't think. Yeah, whoever we add, and and I talked about this a little bit with Brendan on the Locked On podcast that came out on Tuesday. We're looking at the way that this roster is constructed. You're not going to put together some blockbuster trade that's going to bring in somebody here who all of a sudden becomes part of your eight-man rotation. Essentially, what you're trying to do is you're trying to bring in somebody who can spell your primary rotation guys, whether that's an eight or nine man rotation that you're going to utilize in the playoffs. You're trying to get to that finish line. You're trying to get to those playoffs healthy and intact and having somebody who can come off and provide quality minutes in case anything happens in the playoffs. Because once if if we hit the buyout market, let's say we pick up JaVale McGee, if he might not even get any minutes in the playoffs unless we run into one of those matchups and we go back to the adjustments and everything that the Suns did tonight. And I think it's really shows you the capacity that this team has. We can play and beat you in a lot of different ways. The one way we really can't beat you right now is with some double big man bully ball. We can beat you with Frank Kaminsky and DeAndre Ayton at different times, and we've started them together, and they're now, uh, what, 12-1 and in the times that they've started together. But it's not because we played big man bully ball. And if we need to have that capability, if we want to go up against teams that can do that to us, and the Lakers necessarily, they they can't necessarily do that to us right now. There's no team like that's built like the Lakers were last year that really has the capacity to do that. Because you look at the best teams in the NBA. 
Embiid isn't your standard big who's gonna who's and there's no one right next to him who they have two twin towers who's gonna beat the shit out of you inside. You look at Brooklyn Nets, that's a complete finesse team, and you can beat them on the inside. So that's that side. You look at the Lakers, the Clippers, and uh the the Utah Jazz, not all of them are bu- big bully ball teams. The Jazz could be. And that's where it's like, okay, if we if you have eight and you have McGee out there at some point playing Rudy Gobert, now you can really bully the inside and get anything you want on the outside. No, I agree with you, but I think if we had McGee, I think he would just play opposite minutes of Aiden. I don't think they would try that at all. Plus, Aiden's game, you know, it's not really inside dominant at all. So if Aiden's going to exactly. succeed and this team gets better with him at center, it's going to be more for mid-range or anywhere in the key, of course, but just like his little finesse moves around the rim. Nothing too crazy. So, I mean, there's nothing really sexy about these pickups, but, I mean, it would be nice to get either one of them, I think. What do you, what do you think about Andre Drummond? Because I saw some tweet that said yeah. the Suns might be interested in Andre Drummond. What are your thoughts on that? So that's a buyout thing, too? Yes, they would have to be. That he makes crazy. way too much money. That, that's, Cleveland have to pay so much money just to buy him out to begin with, which is ridiculous. But if he became available... That's a situation, though, he, right? Andre Drummond's the one guy where if he got bought out and he went to the Lakers, I would be worried. Because I think like, oh, that's yeah. a good missing piece for the Lakers. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he can't play defense. He can rebound the hell out of the ball. But we talked about it earlier when I was drunk and I was like, we maybe need someone like Andre Drummond underneath that someone that's confident, someone that we can actually trust to do what they're supposed to be doing down low. That's the only reason. And I was drinking a little bit that night, but I'm sorry. That's what it came out of my mouth. It's it's okay. Yeah. But I mean, if the Suns were to get someone like him, the only question is, it's a little bit weird. It's like, is he going to want to be a backup? Because he's not going to start next to Aiden. That'd be the weirdest thing ever. I think that would clog the lane too much. Yeah, but if if you're a confusion, right? If you're a buyout guy, you're coming to a team. This is your chance to get a quick championship and then use that to make more money somewhere else. So he might come to Phoenix. He might come to the Lakers. He might come to the Clippers. If he goes to the Clippers, he might end up actually starting over Zubac. But uh, this actually just came across my phone uh, from The Athletic. And it looks like it probably came from Twitter as well. Uh, PJ Tucker and the Rockets agree to oh, split. Yeah. So I knew that they were talking about it earlier in the night, but it is official. Just happened right now. PJ Tucker, is he somebody who could yes. find himself back in a Phoenix Suns uniform? Oh, Kenny, uh, I don't know. But absolutely, I would love to have him back. I How would, would you too. Not want P- He's one of the guys in the beginning of the season we talked about before yep. the season even started that we wanted PJ Tucker back on this team. Why? It'd be like the perfect piece to kind of finish everything off. Just he's not a center. He's not a big guy. He's going to play the wing. He's going to play the four. But he can play but he, big. But he can play big. But that's absolutely what we need. I just think that he'd be the fir- perfect, perfect piece and the fit that the Suns actually do need going to the playoffs because he wants that championship too. And it's all about wanting. And that when we go into the playoffs, it's like which one of these teams, of course, want it's cheesy to say which mm-hmm. one of us have you have Chris Paul, you have Jay Crowder, and then you you have um if we have them, PJ Tucker. These are three guys that want and need that championship before it's over. So having that on your team is just a little bit more of an edge than a lot of other teams might have. One note on PJ Tucker, he's 35 years old. Uh, he is currently having one of his worst shooting uh, performances. Who from, isn't on that team? Huh? From downtown, from thirty-one percent. Yeah, I was yeah, just about to say fine. the same thing. A lot of people are asking, "Well, is PJ Tucker spent? Does he not have his legs anymore?" Well, a lot of that he's playing for a completely fucked and discombobulated yes. Rockets team. Nobody's motivated on that team. James Harden just completely screwed that team on his way out. But if you were to ask me, which thirty-five-year-old would I prefer? PJ Tucker or Lamarcus Aldridge, I'm going with good old number 17, PJ Tucker. PJ all over all these guys, the history, everything, bring them back. 
finish out his career right you know that'd be awesome i mean he could probably play again uh, next year a couple more years but this is a perfect time to grab that guy I, I completely agree. God, that'd be great. The guy who awesome. used to play defense on Devin Booker when Devin Booker was a rookie yep. and just First taught him how to be a scorer. Oh, I love mm-hmm. it. So um, I think that's it for this edition, right? I don't think there's anything else we need to talk about. I don't we think we forgot anything. Fantastic. We got everything. Yeah. Good on us. Good to see what happens when I'm sober. I remember to do all the <laughs> drops. I'm hydrated. I'm doing you were all the sober drops. last time. No, I know. The first time you were sober, you forgot everything. No, <laughs> no, I was really drunk that time. No, I'm just kidding. Man. Uh, but again, thank you to all the Jamsters who have joined us for this show. Make sure you follow the show at Suns Jam on Twitter, uh, on the Phoenix Fans app. You can download that app. You can follow us there. You can follow me on Twitter at Darth Voida. You can follow him on Twitter. I'm Matthew Lissy. Make sure if you're watching on YouTube, you subscribe. The goal is 1,000. We're getting close to 900. So the more subscribers, awesome. The more people who get to come and hang out with us live after every Suns game. If you're listening on the Bright Side of the Sun podcast network, please leave us a a review. Give us a five-star. Again, we only have 39 reviews on Apple Podcasts, which is a shame. So if you're somebody who has Apple Podcasts, find Bright Side of the Sun. Give us five stars. Uh, I think that's everything. So I'm going to go to bed now. It's late. All right. I'm going to go home and love my family. Okay, take care. Go Suns, baby.